This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from August 28, 2022. I really hope you enjoy it as we finish up the book of Hebrews. Talk to you soon. My scripture this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, and, and also verses 15 and 16. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 212. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who, you, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid, what can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to, to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of of all the lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. As you all know, we've been talking about Hebrews for the last four or five weeks, and the goal for me is, is that it's twofold. One is the fact that these are hard passages of Scripture. They're not passages of Scripture that we all sit there and go, oh, that just feels good, and we all walk away happy and go lucky. It's supposed to be a challenge. Second, we've been leading this kind of conversation with our leaders about the way that we look at our church and how we reach out into the community, but not just out into the community, but inside the community of faith that we have here at First Christian Church of Perry. Now, there's a danger when you read Scripture and you say, this is just for us. Because it says that the people in the first and second centuries don't matter. This was written to a different audience, but I find some very strong similarities to some of the things that we face in these final instructions that the writer of Hebrews is giving to us today. It's just not comfortable. The Hebrew writer sums up his message with the call to Christian love as it is expressed specifically by the things he mentions. A. Hospitality. Like I talked about ad nauseum in my Sunday school class this morning, hospitality is not the, oh, let's be nice to each other as we see each other in homeland or around town. 
although you should do those things anyway. Hospitality is, is really taking care of one another when we need to and when we get to. I really wish I had said this at the 815 service, but I forgot. One way that our congregation does this is, I think, is our funeral dinners. We have families that have lost loved ones and, you know, their world is upside down. And our group of ladies come together, they create a meal so that if nothing else, that family doesn't have to worry about yet one more thing. That is a form of hospitality. I think in the ways that we work with the food pantry are forms of hospitality. I would say that the way that we create our children's programs at our church with the disciples' kids and with our Sunday school and with our youth groups, those are ways of extending God's love in a world that doesn't. Hospitality in the Hebrew Bible is something that is tantamount to every aspect of their faith. You cannot be in that world an understander and believer of God if you do not extend God's love and hospitality to all that you come in contact with. So it makes sense that the writer is saying to us, you must extend hospitality if you are to continue this mutual love. So let's talk about the second one on this list of instructions. You know, one of the things that was really hard, and I said at the 815 service, and I'm going to say to you this morning is, last week I should have just stayed off of Facebook. Should have. I didn't. It was like watching a train wreck. I could not take my eyes off of it. People that I love and respect were saying horrific and mean things about things that they have little to no knowledge of. And yet, at the same time, it becomes truth. Because once you put it out there, it becomes a reality, right? It's the phrase that perception becomes the reality, even though the reality is not that at all. It was a really hard week. When I was in seminary, well, when I went to Israel, I became friends with uh, a, a colleague that I have grown to uh, struggle with his journey of faith. When I started my doctorate, my job was, and my, my mindset was, my project was going to be focused in on liturgical studies. Reverend Don Heath, on the other, decided that he wanted to be a part of and create and be an assistant with, um, the, he, he wanted to be a part of his project to talk about how do we minister to people on death row. He is the president of the Oklahomans against the death penalty. And I, even though there are times that our politics don't necessarily align, he has challenged me in ways that I never thought were possible. Now, all of you in this room have your own opinions about how this goes, and all those online have your own opinions about the death penalty. And frankly, I grew up in McAllister, so I know what it looks like to see people in the prison. I have unfortunately had the opportunity to 
to be there with people when they were executed. When the family asked me to be there, I've been there with the family members and the victim's family members. I've watched and witnessed things that I never thought possible in the understanding of reconciling grace, even in the midst of God-awful tragedy. And yet I don't talk about it enough. This prison visitation that the writer in Hebrews is talking about comes close to what Reverend Don Heath does. His ministry, if you will, is to be an advocate, a voice for these that are on death row. Knowing that there's a system, but he becomes that non-anxious presence for them. He prays with them. He gives them communion. He sits there with them as they take their last breath. It's an honor to watch this ministry that he does. And it's extremely painful at the same time. This is what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. The prisons in the first century were nothing more than holes in the ground where bars went across the top. And what you had to do is you had to fight for your food amongst the rats if they didn't chase you off. It was awful. They were horrid conditions. And the church was tasked to visit those, in Jesus' own words, those that are sick and in, in prison. So the writer of Hebrews says, this is your mandate to take care of even, ah, this is the one we don't like, your enemies. I hate the fact this next part in Hebrews has to be brought up all the time. But this understanding of the faithfulness in marriage. Paul doesn't like marriage. Uh, he, he says it's physically impossible for you to show the love of God to someone else. That's what he says. But if you do get married, he says, then you are to give of yourself to the other person until you don't recognize yourself. The word in Greek that he says is doulos. Successful relationships are giving themselves more than their own needs. And our culture struggles with this. Hey, Quentin, can you pull up that slide that Shiloh came up with for the bulletin? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shiloh does this great job when I give her the themes and stuff. She comes up with slides. And I thought this was really apropos in the sense of where is it that we stand in our culture? We have stands on everything except the things of God. You see this a lot in the freedom and a relationship to money. How we deal with it. How we disperse of it. How we hold on to it as if it's our own. But the writer, it's almost as if the writer is pleading to everyone that is there saying, Please, you need to rely only on God for your satisfaction. And the writer quotes from the Hebrew Bible by saying, I will never fail you nor forsake you.
It's extremely hard for us to understand how this works. What is this supposed to look like? Can we do this? Well, the answer is always no. Are we going to be able to do it perfectly? No. But you know what the problem is? We as a culture don't even try. We're more at war with ourselves and not paying attention. We're more at war with other people and decide that it's easier for us to battle with others than try to build bridges with those that we might not agree with. The last minute instructions are to remind the congregations that leaders should be honored. I struggle with this, but that's another conversation for another day. That every Christian should be on guard against novel gospel innovations. That they should be courageous followers of Christ, even to the point of suffering. And that Christians should be walking praisers of God's glory, always being mindful to share with others. This is not an easy task. Nothing about the scriptures are supposed to be comfortable. Nothing about the way that we look at our faith is supposed to be simple. But we're supposed to do it. These final instructions to the people that were listening to this passage of scripture probably heard this with a different voice and ear that you do today. They didn't have global news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were so concerned with where's their next meal going to come from. This audience would have been so scared that there's a possibility at any time that they would lose their life for just looking at a Roman soldier the wrong way. Their final instructions were saying that even in the midst of that suffering and that grief and that pain, God will always be there and God has never forsaken them. And I say to you, church, the same thing. What would the world look like if we had the audacity to live out God's love through Jesus Christ. To have the bravery to say to people, I'm here to show God's love and God loves you even though we don't necessarily see eye to eye. What is the challenge of this relationship? Well, for most of us, the challenge is the fact that we uh, have a, we've seen more unilateral love rather than mutual love. Most of us have never had the opportunity to truly understand what unconditional love is. Our world likes to give us all the answers, and yet we struggle with just trying to find how we're supposed to figure out what we're doing today, let alone tomorrow. And then there's the voice. Yes, Josh, it would be super great if we could all be fixed with love. 
by extending hospitality, but those people are different than we are. Notice that language. That it's easy for us to defer to other people. I was trying to show, uh, I, I wanted to read something for you specifically today. One of the things that is kind of fascinating uh, when I put our sermons together is I, I always go to this commentary and, and one of them specifically today, it was written by Amy Peeler. And I wanted to share to, with you uh, one of the things that she says uh, towards the end of her commentary for today. After the author reflects again about the power of Jesus' sacrifice, he instructs the audience to offer sacrifices of their own. Now you probably think, oh man, Josh, this sermon's been heavy. But here's the beautiful part. The author, in verses 9 through 14, which I didn't read, but I'm going to encourage you to read later, instructs them to use praise to show God's love. To live out good deeds and to create fellowship. By the point of this letter, they know who God is and what God has done on their behalf. Just like all of you. You also know specific ways in the, the, the things that are in your life. But the image of sacrifice through all times captures the ongoing application of Christian theology and Christian life. So where do we go from here, Josh? What are we supposed to do? What are our final instructions? In all things that you do, praise God. By doing good. By caring. Maybe in other words, what a righteous relationship with God looks like and self. Others will please the God who will sustain them forever by your bright light. You are the vessel of God's love. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Even when you don't think it, you are the voice of God's love in the world. While the world is screaming, you are the voice of God's love. You're the hands and feet of God's love. You are the barrier of all of those that are afflicted and oppressed. You are the voice of God. And you do these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.